Welcome to another episode of Free Basketball. I am your host, Ryan Meadows, and today I'll be by myself. I will not be joined by Cody or Daniel, and the reason being is, with the NBA starting to get geared back up, we actually got some definite dates on when our favorite thing related to the basketball, the draft, when those when this is going to actually happen. So we thought it would be fun to do, instead of a group mock draft, we thought it would be fun to do individual mock drafts. What you're getting now is the introduction, the first part of this series. You're getting Ryan's mock draft, and this is just how I see the players, how I would pick them, little tidbits, and just my evaluations. And you'll get, you know, next episode would be Daniel or Cody, either one. So we thought this would be fun because we wanted to do this just to start talking about a little bit because we're only, you know, two months away from this. We thought this would be a lot of fun. So here is the episode. break this down a little bit what we did is obviously we have not had the draft lottery yet the date for that has been set it is august 25th with the actual draft day being october 16th so since we don't have the actual lottery order down we went based on just record okay so obviously this is not going to be exactly what will happen come draft lottery night but for our intents and purposes just to get a mock draft out to talk about these players that we like we just went based on records so the picks i'm just going to go one by one and hopefully you enjoy the picks so I'm sure a lot of people won't agree. I know namely mostly Daniel and Cody will not agree. This is why we're doing it separately. So when we all come back together, when we actually have the draft lottery order, we can actually debate this a little more. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Before I start talking about actual picks and players, just general draft speculation around this class is that if you if you follow it at all or if the lottery if the draft is your thing like it is mine I absolutely love the NBA draft it's one of my favorite parts of any NBA season If you follow this closely you have seen all the talk about this being one of the worst talent drafts in a long time Some people say one of the top 2 or 3 worst talent drafts potentials ever I'm not sure I totally agree with it Now, there is some strong comparisons to some really, really bad drafts in the past. Uh, Most notably, the the closest one that I found that kind of compares a little bit is the 2013 draft. If you remember, that is the draft where the Cleveland Cavaliers shocked everyone and took Anthony Bennett number one. Victor Oladipo went number two. Otto Porter went third. I mean, notable players from this draft that... If you follow NBA at all, you'll know C.J. McCollum went 10th. The rookie of the year was Michael Carter-Williams, and he was picked 11th. Rudy Gobert was 27th in that draft. The name that you think you might be sticking out like, wait, there's a player out of this draft that I think is pretty good. Well, you almost have it. It's Giannis Antetokounmpo. He went 15th in this quote-unquote historically bad draft so 
I don't think there is a player in this draft that is going to be the level of Giannis and MVP, poss- probably a back-to-back MVP. But it doesn't mean that this draft still doesn't have quality players. I think it's just considered a terrible talent draft based on who went first, who went you know fourth through ten. Um, the rookie of the year of Michael Carter-Williams. So I think that gets a lot of hits for being a bad draft just because of that. But we got Giannis out of this draft. Like I said, we're probably not going to get a Giannis type or a Giannis caliber level player. But I think there is going to be a lot of value in this draft for teams kind trying to fit pieces around the edge. I don't know if there really is a franchise changing kind of cornerstone player there's players that i like but there is not that standout player that you're going to be you know a 12 to 15 time all-star i don't think in this draft Uh, mvp i don't think you're going to get that in this draft but i think there is very good serviceable players that will still make this fun to watch and to see who gets picked where so let me start off with the first pick and the worst team in the league this year was the Golden State Warriors. A lot of speculation that they might take a LaMelo ball because it fits when he's, you know, kind of spaced the floor, passing, uh, good vision. A lot of thoughts that if they get the number one pick, they'll trade it. I am at the point with the Warriors that I think they should keep the number one pick if they get it. And I think they should take, to me... The obvious best player in this draft, even though his position has seemed kind of outdated. And to me, the best player in this draft is 100% and always has been James Wiseman. James Wiseman, 7 foot 1, 250 pounds. He's a huge NBA body who compares very, very closely to Joel Embiid. Runs the floor like a gazelle, super athletic. Won't be asked to do it, really, in the NBA, but can actually push and bring up the ball on a defensive rebound. I mean, we saw him play, what, a handful of games, maybe three, before the whole NCAA mess came out. And, yes, two games were against inferior competition where he dominated, and one was against Oregon, who, you know, everybody was kind of saying was a dark horse Final Four team, at least Elite Eight team, was a very good team. And he just... Kind of didn't really show up in that game, but it was also very early in the season. And that team was just a bunch of freshmen. Like, they're trying to fit pieces. You know, Penny Hardway is trying to fit who goes where, how does it make this work. And it was just a young team, so it made him look bad. So I don't count that against him at all in that game. Because you see the signs. Like, he's a huge body. Could be a big, impactful rim protector has great touch around the basket, incredible hands, will catch anything that's thrown up in the air at him, and actually tried to show some some signs of like a step back or a, you know, a mid-range shot. And I know he's shot shot threes in the past. And and he's a lefty, which lefties are just always intriguing prospects. I'm always a fan of lefties. My comparison to him now, this is best case. This is what I'm going to do. It's going to be a little different than probably Daniel and Cody. We're each going to have our individual thing that we're focusing on, really. My mock draft is basically talent. Uh, 
I probably should explain this at the beginning, but this is really how I'm going to pick. It's based on talent, who I think has the... They're maybe not my favorite pick in these spots, but they are the players that I am really interested in, and I think based on their talent should go in these spots. So I'm not looking at team fit at all. I'm going based on just pure talent, who I think you know deserves to be there, and you know, has a real ability to not only play NBA games, but to stick in the NBA. So I have Wiseman going number one. Now going back to the best case and worst case, that's also what I'm going to do. Best case scenario for James Wiseman is his body. I've already compared him to this player, but he's so freakishly athletic and a huge body that he, to me, is Joel Embiid. That is my best case scenario for him, is that he's the next Joel Embiid. Now, hopefully he doesn't get as big as Embiid, and obviously prefer him to be much more durable than than Embiid. But just looking at him, he does have a little bit of a goofy running style, but he's quicker, he's more agile. I don't think he's going to put on a ton of weight like Joel Embiid has done. And so I think James Wiseman is undoubtedly the number one pick in the NBA draft. So best case scenario, he's Joel Embiid. Worst case scenario for me is that he ends up being Hassan Whiteside. And that's basically an empty stats, plays on middling teams, has a long career, but not a guy that you would say is definitely worthy of being the number one overall pick. That would be a huge disappointment if he was just a, you know, 14 and 12 player on bad teams and never did anything now the second pick i can already tell i'm gonna have to speed this up because i'm gonna get bogged down talking about these guys but i'm just excited to talk about basketball so forgive me number two the cleveland cavaliers second pick i have them taking anthony edwards 6'4 225 combo guard averaged 19 points per game last year for a pretty bad georgia bulldogs team Elite athleticism, NBA-ready body, uses his athleticism to get downhill and finish over defenses at the rim. Questionable decision-making on offense, if you watch them play. Liked to jack up a lot of contested, just awful threes. Thinks he's an alpha male, at least just watching him in, in videos, like, you do want that in a franchise-changing guard. You want the guy who thinks he's the best. You, you want that guy who thinks he's the best player in the NBA. But that can also be an issue, especially if he's actually not even near you know the top 75 players in the NBA. <laughs> that could be a problem. The, other, the only thing, though, is he already has NBA range. We've seen him shoot it in college. Georgia team was so bad that Will it change his appearance, and will he fit bit, fit in better with much better players in the NBA? That's what I'm not sure about. That's kind of the big question. No one really knows. He falls he falls asleep on defense, which expected for a rookie. Not too big of a knock as long as the effort is there. The problem is he's kind of been described by scouts that his motor doesn't run hot. So basically doesn't really try all that much. 
So I don't know if that's just a product of being the best player, you know, basically his whole life. Or it's he was bored. I mean, you definitely had that with Ben Simmons in his years at LSU. Like, he was just bored. He wasn't even trying, and you could tell. But when he tried, you know, Ben Simmons dominated certain games. So I'm not a huge fan of him. I don't think he has a great feel for the game. I'm not sure how he's going to fit in as, you know, a lot of basketball in the NBA now is just kind of standing around the perimeter and just waiting your turn. And I'm not sure if he's going to be okay with that or if he's going to be, you know, a chuck-it-up all-star and just takes awful threes. One of those, you know, has multiple nights where he's, you know, 8 for 27. That's what I'm kind of leaning towards is what he's going to be. Uh, because my comparison for him, best case scenario, to me, he's Victor Oladipo. Best case scenario, I also had slash J.R. Smith. I know people kind of ridicule that as a best case scenario, but J.R. Smith <laughs> played a huge role on an NBA Finals team. Now, he also did have the next year game one where he forgot how much time was on the clock. But... J.R. Smith was a very good basketball player for a long time. So I think that's the best case for Anthony Edwards. Probably not what you're looking for out of your number two pick. But I think that's a great comparison for him. Worst case, talking about having that alpha dog mentality without the skills to back it up. Worst case, he's Dion Waiters. And kind of ironic that the Cavaliers would draft him here because that's kind of how it started and didn't finish for Deion Waiters, but I kind of see for Anthony Edwards that he is like a microwave score, but he's very inconsistent. And after a couple years, he starts bouncing around to different teams. So he's kind of that guy that's on, by the end of his career, is on like his, you know, sixth team in eight years kind of thing. And that's sad, but he has a ton of potential. Really intrigued by him. Just hope he gets to the right situation and you know, turns into a really good all-star caliber player. Number three, the Minnesota Timberwolves. I have the Timberwolves taking LaMelo Ball here. 6'7", 190 pounds, great game feel, excellent passer with almost incredible veteran vision. Not a great shooter like Lonzo. They both have weird hitches. I don't know how they got such different shooting hitches, uh, but... You would think that being brothers, especially three brothers all playing together your whole life, you'd have similar shots, but they all have different shots, which is goofy. He does have great size for a point guard. He can play a role. Not a franchise game changer to me. Potential out there is that he could still be growing. I don't know how much that could actually be. Is that another inch or two? Like, could this guy be 6'9"? <laughs> I don't think he'll get any bigger. He's pretty thin. In the few games, he only played like 10 or 12 games overseas in Australia, and it's not like it was a great league. Um, their team was terrible. I think they went like 3-9, and 3-8 and eight or something like that. And he was basically force-fed the ball the whole time and didn't put up like incredible numbers. But it's just like Anthony Edwards in this respect where he just stepped back and shoot a three for no reason. Wouldn't attack the basket. You know, well, it's, it, it's, I take that back. He'd attack sometimes. Most of the time he's just 
getting a switch on a defender, a big man, and does a step back, you know, 24, 25 footer. I can see why teams would be interested in him just because of the vision and the passing. I don't think he's just incredibly quick. Not a huge fan of the shot. Not sure if that will be consistent. I'm just taking him for the actual court vision. Like he's, I know what he's going to be good at, and that's court vision and passing and being able to set up other players. I'm just not sure about the whole package. That's why best case scenario for him, he's Sean Livingston. I think in the best case scenario for LaMelo Ball, if he's going to be on a winning team and franchise, he's going to be a secondary and bench ball handler and plays a role on a championship team. If he is your starting franchise point guard, I don't think you're going anywhere. And that's just how I feel about LaMelo. I think he's too similar like Lonzo. We kind of know what Lonzo is right now. I'm not saying Lonzo is a bad basketball player. I think Lonzo is a good basketball player, but he's supplemental. He plays his role and he plays it well. He will not be he will never be a number one for a franchise. Now, worst case for LaMelo, um, as I mentioned in that 2013 draft who the rookie of the year was, worst case scenario for LaMelo is that he is Michael Carter Williams. Puts up empty stats for a couple years, but that's really the best we're ever going to see from him. And Michael Carter-Williams is on his, what, like sixth team playing for the Magic now. And that's just kind of the career he's had. So that's worst case for LaMelo, but hoping that doesn't happen. Now, number four with the Hawks. This comes with a general warning. Um, Every year I have a player that I absolutely latch on to and raw talent usually super athletic that i just fall in love with and you can ask any of my friends who talk with me about basketball this happens to me every year i fall in love with one of these type players thinks he's going to be you know you know he's going to be this type player he's going to be that it's going to be a four-time all-star and then most of the time absolute dud (laughs) so i'm still rooting for you stanley johnson and I'm still rooting for you, Mario Hazonia. That's just two of the kind of players that I, just to give you an idea of who I'm going to pick here at number four. My number four, this is my guy this year, and it's Isaac Okoro. Uh, this is a player who played for Auburn last year as a freshman, 6'6", 225 pounds, averaged 13 points per game, four rebounds, two assists. He has the perfect role piece for an up-and-coming team to me which is why I have him going here for the Hawks. The Hawks just need wings. Like, they need any kind of wing depth. They got to have one of these that they're getting in the lottery actually hit. And I think Okora is going to be that guy. Wasn't considered a one-and-done, but it's a weak draft, so he came out. Now, he performed really well for Auburn for being a freshman. Auburn was a top team. I didn't seriously consider them to be like a heavy favorite to make a deep run in NCAA tournament like they did last year, but I also didn't think they'd do that last year. So what do I know? Uh, Auburn was a good team. Okoro played a pivotal role in that. Did not have a high-profile scoring impact with them, but whenever you watch them, he was doing all the little things that would help Auburn win a game, and that's why I think I fell in love with him. Now, that's not to say that he doesn't have any offensive talent because I think he has a huge upside to be a really good passer, 
and has shown flashes of good ball handling. To me, the way he makes it in this league, his bread and butter is going to be defense. And if he can add little pieces of offense to his game, most namely everything once now is a shot. So hopefully he can be a 3 and D player. But if you just look at him, his physical profile, I mean, he just he's a man. He's going to be able to play right away. And I'm just hoping that he can be developed and nurtured and put together an actual jumper. Because if he does, I think the ceiling for him is that he may not, he won't ever be an all star probably, but he'll be those guys on the, one of those guys, guys on the fringe where we're like, oh man, (laughs) he's having a great year. He got, you know, he got screwed out of an all star. So that's the level I have for Isaac Okoro. Best case scenario, now I've seen other people after doing my own list and kind of looking at other things, I've seen other people make this comparison for him as well, so it made me feel good about it. It's Jimmy Butler, virtually the same size, same body type. Now Jimmy Butler has just had an incredible development from where he started. Not a lot of guys actually can do that. But Isaac Okoro, I think, is the next version of Jimmy Butler. And I, I think if he can put it all together, he has, the, he has the build, he has the physical, he has the speed, he has the athleticism. He's just got to get the shot and the demeanor, really. And I think he'll be there. Worst case for Isaac Okoro, and... A lot of people might not think this is worst case, but this guy's just never done anything compared to where he was drafted and what he was projected to be. Worst case, he's Chris Dunn. Just always kind of playing a role, good at defense, always a liability on offense. Doesn't really give much to you. The fifth pick in this mock draft is the Detroit Pistons, and I went with a European player, all lefty, Killian Hayes. 6'5", 192 pounds, averaged 13.6 assists. He's an okay athlete, decent vision, forces a lot of passing, but he's super young. High offensive upside, really. Like, you're talking about a guy who looks like to have patterned his game after James Harden. Like, he's not only left-handed dominant, but he's got great body control, has the step back, has the head fakes, has the ball fakes, plays at his pace. Like, these are all kind of like James Harden things. The only kind of issue is when he's been playing in the EuroLeague is that he's great when he's playing against, you know, same level or inferior talent. He seemed to be a little bothered by, you know, elite athletes and speed and athleticism, which could be an issue for the NBA because everyone, basically everyone has elite speed or athleticism. So that might be an issue. I'm airing more side on the uh, I'm airing more on the upside of him as a shooter playmaker. Yes, he is left hand dominant. Doesn't really do it with his right hand. I think he's going to be a serviceable player. Good shooter already. Perfect pickup for the Detroit Pistons, who are, you know, always in a rebuild. It seems like recently, will fit in well with Blake Griffin. Best case scenario. Now I know I said he's like Harden, but. The way his kind of development to be, how left-hand dominant he is. Best case scenario to me is he's D'Angelo Russell. Worst case scenario, he's like Jeremy Lamb. 
Like he's just going to be kind of a role piece, maybe average 14 to 15 points a year, but not anything that you're just going to be excited to have, like kind of a cap filler really, and an extra, like a seventh or eighth man. Now with the sixth pick, the New York Knicks, I have the New York Knicks taking Tyrese Halliburton. At first, I wasn't really high on Tyrese Halliburton. He played for Iowa State last year. He's 6'5", 175 pounds. So very, very long and lanky. Averaged 15 points per game, 6 rebounds, and this blew my mind. 7 assists in college basketball, which is extremely hard to do in college, especially for how bad this Iowa State team was in one of the toughest conferences in the nation in college basketball. Seven assists is unreal. The good description I have for him is that he has a high floor but not a high ceiling. So basically he is going to be a good solid role player but what you see is kind of what you get. You're never really going to get any more out of him than what you you know what you see on the floor right now. Like he's, I don't think he's going to be able to have like, like we mentioned before with Jimmy Butler, like this transcendent rise. Like he's always going to be what he is this year. <laughs> like he's basically going to be the same player his whole career. He does have a weird shooting motion, but it goes in. Like I think he shot forty something percent or right at it. He does attack off-screen and rolls and off-closeouts, which you love to see. Apparently, word on the street is that he's a great kid, model citizen. Comparison for me, best case for him, absolute best case is that he plays like Will Barton. And Will Barton, tall, skinny, great off the bounce, has turned himself into a good NBA player. You know, averaging in the mid to late teens virtually almost every year. That is best case scenario for Tyrese Halliburton. Worst case scenario is that he's like Torian Prince. You know, Torian Prince had that year or two at the Atlanta Hawks where it was like, oh, okay, this this guy might be something. And then he was shipped. He was traded away. So hopefully, you know, anybody that picks him, I think they're going to get someone that's going to kind of be in the middle. He's not going to hurt you. But he's not going to change your franchise. Like, he's not going to get you in the playoffs because he's just dominating everyone. Like, he's just going to be a solid role piece. Moving on to the seventh pick in the draft, the Chicago Bulls. Once again, at the seventh pick, I think this is three or four straight years that they all had the seventh pick if it still goes like this. I have them taking a guy who is starting to pick up a lot of steam with teams and maybe out of boredom because people are just looking for something. Uh, But I actually think it's because he is a way better prospect than some of these players. And that's Devin Vassell out of Florida State. 6'7", 194 pounds. believe he was a sophomore this year. Young sophomore. 13 points per game, 5 rebounds, 1.6 assists. Shot 42.5% from three. So he is the 3 and D prototype that every NBA team wants. This is why you would take him this high is because you everyone wants players like this. Solid role player. Can play incredible defense. Stands around the perimeter. Doesn't hurt you. 
Now, he doesn't have much of an offensive game, like a dribble-drive game. So he's going to be needing someone to create for him. Now, it's certainly possible he could develop that, but I don't know how much of a ceiling Vassal really has. Um, I think he's always going to kind of be a role perimeter piece, does his job on defense. You can always use a player like that because best-case scenario for Devin Vassal is that he's Trevor Ariza. Worst case scenario is that he's just kind of like a journeyman, always, you know, 10 to 12th on the bench, and that's Afonso McKinney. I think he's just good value. Most people have him in the mid to late teens in the first round. I've seen some people, he's starting to climb a little bit to the early teens. Um, But compared to the other players I could get, I would take a shot at him at this spot at number seven over some of the other players that they have higher than him. Now, getting to one of those players, number eight, not huge on this player, but I get why people like him. The Charlotte Hornets would draft Onyeke Okongwu, 6'9", 245-pound forward from USC, a late shot blocker and offensive rebounder. We didn't really see any offensive game from him at USC. I mean, he still averaged 16 points, 9 rebounds, and almost 3 blocks. Shot 61% from the floor. But word on the street is that he was held down at USC. Wasn't allowed to show off more of his game. Which, I always have a little bit of a question mark when kids say that. I mean, he still averaged 16 points per game and didn't show any of his offensive skill. Like, he has just a skill set he decided to save for the NBA. I don't really get that. If he had the skill set, I would think, you know, <laughs> the coach would want him <laughs> to do a lot more and actually use that skill set. So I'm kind of worried about that a little bit. I'm not in love with him just because he is kind of an undersized elite shot blocker, quote unquote. But a lot of people actually like a Kongu more than they like James Wiseman. And I think those people are just absolutely nuts. Best case scenario for him, to me, is hopefully he's like a Clint Capella. Probably more closely, Serge Ibaka, right? This is going to be his closest comparison. If he's going to be a good NBA player, he's going to be like Serge Ibaka. Serge Ibaka is about the same size, same athleticism. Developed the three-point later. Okongwu apparently has this ability to shoot the three-pointer, but we never saw it. So will he show it in the NBA? I don't know. But going straight off ability, it's worth the pick here by the Hornets, because why wouldn't you? Number nine, the Washington Wizards. I have a guard here that on most people boards is starting to climb, but it's still in the 20s. I don't think anybody's gotten crazy putting him in the teens yet. If they have, I haven't seen it. Uh, but this is the point guard out of Alabama. This is one of those, another one of those players I just kind of fall in love with that I'm a big fan of. And that is Kira Lewis Jr. 6'3", 165 pounds, averaged 18 points per game, four rebounds, five assists, good assist numbers. He's got explosive speed, attacks closeouts, great shot, Already shooting from NBA range in some of these, if you look up some of his highlights. Solid passing skills and vision. 
if you watch some of his highlight tapes, able to make that driving left cross-court pass to the other side, one-handed, finding people, just can one of those speedsters up and down the court. So I like the value of him. Now, we know that the point guard position is just such a, like every team seems to have a point guard that if they're league average, then they're not good. <laughs> and league average is really good, is pretty darn good point guards. So I think this is a good value at this spot. I just like what he can do more than a lot of these other players. My comparison for him, best case, he's like Darren Collison. Probably has more speed than Darren Collison, but Darren Collison, about that size, always played a role for a playoff team. Or if not, the team was good. And he never was really like a point guard for just a bottom-of-the-barrel team. Like he always contributed. Worst case, I had to really kind of reach for this one to get a comparison on worst case. But the worst case, this one will be close to home. This will hit close to home for Grizzlies fans. But worst case, he's Tony Roten. Just a guy who can fill it up in summer league, doesn't really do anything for you in an actual NBA season. Now getting to the 10th pick. The Phoenix Suns, I have Aaron Naismith here, shooter out of Vanderbilt. He's 6'6", 213 pounds, averaged 23 points per game and 5 rebounds. He is hands down the best shooter in the draft. Shot 52% from 3 this year. Now the caveat, he only played 14 games, so don't look too much into that. And all of his big games were against inferior competition. Like a, a lot of them, he was just wide open for three. And a lot of team, a lot of kids, especially in college, can at least should make fifty percent of their wide open shots. Uh, but he did have good games against good teams. Unfortunately, he his season was cut short. That's why those numbers are so inflated. I'm inflated. I mean, he had some games where he was almost scoring forty points. So he is just a pure shooter. He does have a little bit of a limited skill set. Don't think he's he's going to be kind of like Devin Vassell without the defense, probably. That's why I had Vassell higher. But I think Naismith is deserving to be picked 10th just based off the shooting alone because you can never have enough shooting with an NBA team, and he is the best shooter in the draft, so I would take him 10th. My comparison for Naismith Best case scenario, absolute best case, not going to happen, but this is best case, Buddy Heald slash, this is probably more likely, Duncan Robinson for the Heat. Worst case scenario to me, he is Justin Holiday. Justin Holiday has been an NBA journeyman because he quote-unquote can shoot really well and just doesn't really add anything to your team. Now, number 11. This will be a surprise, I think, to people. And I think it will also be a surprise who I leave out of my lottery mock draft. For the San Antonio Spurs, I have them taking Precious Achua here. He's 6'9", 225 pounds, averaged 16 points and 11 rebounds. Defensive versatility is what you're looking for with him. He will have to learn to be in a role, which they tried here at Memphis. Um... But he was just so far shoulders and head above the players at Memphis that he just got force-fed everything. He played a style there that he didn't really prefer. 
but that was just because of the situation they were put in with James Wiseman. Apparently, he wanted to show more of a perimeter game that he has to showcase to NBA teams, and he just kind of got stuck with the whole Wiseman NCAA versus NCAA situation. So he was kind of more put towards the basket, roam around mid-post, wasn't really allowed to show too much. But that didn't stop him from trying <laughs> because he forced a lot of shots. He tried too hard to show NBA play, NBA teams what he could do, and it turned into a lot of turnovers. He does have an NBA body, explosive athlete, probably a little undersized to play the five in small ball lineups, but the NBA is trending smaller, so he might fit in great. High upside offensively to me. The only problem is he was a 60% free throw shooter. Free throw shooting is a decent indicator of, I mean, it's not always for sure, but it's a decent indicator on what a player's going to be like shooting-wise. And I think he can be really versatile if he gets time to develop because my comparison to him, absolute best case is Pascal Siakam. The other kind of player that I could see if he doesn't really develop an offensive game like Siakam, Siakam would just be through the roof. Like in a dream world, this is who Precious turns into. But more likely, it's probably a Clint Capella type. Worst case scenario, he's like Marquise Chris. Super athletic guy, little undersized, don't really know what he's good at, never really develops a shot, and just kind of bounces around. The 12th pick is the Sacramento Kings. I have them taking an international prospect that I've got some questions about, but I do think for his skill set that he has shown so far that he is worth a look, and that is Denny Avdija, big prospect out of Israel. 6'9", 210 pounds. Played in two different leagues, like the Euro League and, you know, the Israeli League. Euro League averaged four points per game, three rebounds, played 14 minutes per game. Other league, 12 points per game, five rebounds, so not knocking your socks off statistically. He does have playmaking ability. He's an ideal stretch four. He can handle and pass it. Shoot. The concern a lot of scouts have is with the shooting mechanics. Shot 58% from free throw. The issue with him is the inconsistent shot. Got a couple of different hitches. It doesn't look terrible. Like It just looks like it needs a couple little tweaks and he'll be fine. But you're going with him because he's versatile. Can play three positions. Hopefully he'll be able to shoot it league average, but you're getting the handle and the passing ability. I don't think defense is going to be his strength. I think it's actually going to be a hindrance to him from having a long career. I'm more worried about him being a bust because I've started to move away from falling in love with an international prospect that you just don't see a ton of, but he's athletic. He plays this fancy uh, three spots. He's very versatile. Those players tend to have a very high bust factor to them. That's why I would stay for Denny. Now, based on the rest of this draft, he is worth the risk for the Kings at 12, I think. Based on talent alone, this is the kind of player you want because if he does turn into something, then he will help you win games. Now, best case scenario for him, he is Danilo Gallinari to me. 
And that's really predicated on just his ability to have a high basketball on the court IQ and develops that shot. That's why that's the hope and best case scenario is Gallinari. Worst case scenario, this is going way back. If anybody remembers Jan Vesely, he was the same kind of prospect coming over back in the mid-2000s, super athletic, could play multiple positions, would be a lot of fun, and he just flamed out with the Wizards. I also had another guy that was near and dear to my heart on here. He's actually shorter than Adija, but that's Mario Hazonia. Now, second to last pick of the lottery draft, the New Orleans Pelicans. I have them rolling the dice here big time on a combo guard that a lot of people have in the mid to late teens, early 20s, and that's Tyrese Maxey. Freshman Kentucky guard, he was 6'3", 198 pounds, averaged 14 points, 4 rebounds, and 3 assists. And like I said, he's just a combo guard with a variety of ways that he can score. He's got good dribble game, good floaters, already has a pretty good floater game. Now he can force that sometimes. Sometimes gets gets on the blinders when he has the ball and he wants to score. Can miss teammates that are wide open. But has shown flashes of being a good shooter, could be an interesting scoring threat as a second or third banana, not overly quick first step if you watch him. The biggest thing with him is, is he going to be able to take the blinders off? And besides just being a microwave score, is he going to be able to put it all together and find other teammates, play a role, and actually contribute more than just Every six games, he scores 18 points. And the rest of them, he gets a DMP. That's why I have best case scenario for him. He's Lou Williams or more likely like Karis Levert. Lou Williams is just absolute max ceiling, that kind of player. Karis Levert's more likely if he can put it all together. Worst case scenario, he's just like another Kentucky alum, Malik Monk. Now, last pick of the draft lottery if you're still with me. Number 14, the Portland Trailblazers. I have them taking a player that is also a reach here compared to most other mock drafts. And that's a player out of Arizona. No, not the point guard, Nico Mannion. It's the wing, Josh Green. 6'6", 210 pounds, averaged 12 points per game, 5 rebounds, 3 assists. Freshman last year. Solid wing. The problem is he doesn't have an elite skill set. That's a problem in the NBA because if you just don't have one thing that you're just elite at, most teams really don't need you. You'll bounce around. So that is the kind of risk with Josh Green, but he's got a great NBA body. Seems to be pretty durable. Was okay playing a role at Arizona. So it's hard to find players who are this size, have the abilities that he has, could be a steal, plays defense, willing to play a role. Actually, fast and explosive transition. I mean, he's a high, he's your typical high ceiling player that usually doesn't work out, but he would be a great pickup. My comparison to him, best case, he's Andre Iguodala. If his offense gets there, he could be like Jalen Brown, but I see him being more of kind of like an, an Iggy type, and that's best case. Worst case scenario, unfortunately, another guy that's very similar to him, no elite skill set. Kevin Knox of the Knicks 
it just hasn't happened with him. That's the thing with Josh Green. Does he just plateau with what he is in college and he doesn't really show anything else? That is going to be the first iteration of our mock draft. That's just picks 1 through 14. Before I go, though, my favorite thing about the draft is sleeper picks. I love to find a guy that is maybe in the second round, currently projected to go undrafted. I like to find these guys and, you know, try to look smart by saying that they're going to be good NBA players. Uh, So my sleeper picks, I've got a couple here. Now, this guy is starting to rise, which is a bummer for me because I thought I was going to be smarter than everybody. And that's Desmond Bain from TCU, hard-nosed player, plays a perfect role, reminds me of Marcus Smart. Uh, Dead-eye shooters that I like, Sam Merrill, who's from Utah State. He played for Utah State. His offense was was crazy last year. Really good shooter, good pick-and-roll player. Probably doesn't have the athleticism to be in there. Jalen Harris from Nevada, he was just kind of a play-to-roll, lightning-quick shooter. Always a fan of those guys. And my other dead-eye shooter was Corey Kispert from Gonzaga. The thing with Corey Kispert is that if he's off, then he's not making anything, and he's just completely useless. So that's the only problem with him. But I like him to fit kind of a role. Like, to me, he's could potentially be the next Kyle Korver. Now, he's not tall, tall enough and athletic enough, really, but just kind of that dead-eye shooter. Now, the Wiley vet, who doesn't really blow you away, but it's just a solid player that I don't think is going to be bad. Um, that's Skylar Mays from LSU. So that those are my initial sleeper picks. May may change a little bit, just like this mock draft as we go, because it's not going to happen for another you know two or three months. So as I look more into these players, might change my mind a little bit. But that's the whole point of the mock draft is just have fun. Get these names out there. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully you'll go look up some players and start looking at the draft because it's one of my favorite things to discuss and look at. We always have some sort of, especially between me and my friends, we like to have some sort of betting aspect to this. So if you want to get in on that, it's a lot of fun. Hopefully we'll be able to hang out together soon with all this pandemic stuff. Hopefully we don't have a second wave, even though right now it's looking like that we're going to. Hope everybody stays safe. Be looking out for Daniel and Cody's mock drafts. Comment if you got any opinions or just want to yell at me for how stupid I am. I am at rdmeadows11 on Twitter. Or you can tweet us or DM us at freebasketball3. So thanks for tuning in, guys. Hope it wasn't too long. Hope you enjoyed it. And we'll have those other mock drafts coming out really soon.